Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. I told one of my coworkers that I'm into like indie music and she's originally from Pakistan and got very confused. She's like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's valid. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, sometimes just, you know, there's just sometimes a misunderstanding. It happens. Sure. Sure. Oh my Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I, you know, she didn't ask this, but I, I don't think I look like someone that plays sitar. Uh-huh. Okay, well... Y- yeah, you know, yeah. just like, because e- either you are someone of Indian or Pakistani descent, right. or you're, like, a hippie, you know? Yeah, or you're me or trying to... Or both. Or you're me trying to get a sitar because it sounds so cool and not, ex- you know, not thinking through how difficult it's going to be to learn and the uh, potential problematic parts of that. But regardless, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, one day. mm -hmm. Well, I mean, one day. But you know what? Let's talk about today. Yes, let's talk. Look at where we are. Look at where we are. The one-year gala (sighs) for the Uncanny County Museum. Can you believe it? 52 exhibitions. 52, man. Our adoring fans that come and see our exhibits week after week. Wouldn't know what we do without y'all. Love y'all so much. I know, I know. Well, actually, I guess it was 51 exhibitions because I uh, got, like, lost in South Dakota one week. So, but (laughs) one year. One year year of people sticking by us and listening to uh, the garbled mess that we provide. But often well-researched garbled mess. Of course, of course. (laughs) All the same, all the same. I mean pulling back the curtain a bit i mean how how do you feel like after after yeah. we sort of decided we were going to undertake this project and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like did you did did you think we would give up like after three like one of our previous <laughs> projects <laughs> i mean like, after you three know, episodes this is I, i'm gonna be honest i think because this is honesty dime and this is also mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. we're gonna you know, get into it today as well and, and sharing for our one year anniversary. But I, I think for me, you know, this is the longest I've ever worked on something. And I come from mm. a background where I'm really bad at finishing things. Like, do you remember that episode of Jimmy Neutron where it's the professor who's evil, but he could never finish anything? <laughs> so it's just a bunch <laughs> of projects that are just left over. That's me. Like, that's genuinely how I am. And I think that's a sign of, I think, artistic maturity, number one, that I can actually bring things to a close finally. But it's mm-hmm. also just been so amazing to be like, wow, I've been doing this for a year and it's become like, it's a part of my life. Like, I don't know what yeah. else I would do. Like when, even when you did get lost in South Dakota for that time and I was wandering <laughs> the museum by myself, it's like, oh, wow. Wondering know, where I was. Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess I don't have to do this. And it's like, you know, what do you do? But mm-hmm. I, I really do think it's like, 
it's been such an amazing time uh not to be too solipsistic with it but it's like i've very much enjoyed researching being able to curate these exhibitions being able to help around the museum and uh mm-hmm. side note edit said things for the museum and yes. you know like just it's become a part of my practice it's influenced mm-hmm. my artwork um I was just reflecting today. I was like, it's been a year I've been doing this. It's still unreal to me, one, how time works, but two, just that it's been this many and it's come so far. Mm -hmm. And I'm Mm -hmm. really excited to see where it's going to continue going for years. Absolutely. I mean, I think prior to this, maybe the longest project I'd undertaken was trying to read Dune. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready. Event- I'm not ready. I'm so nervous, Sand, to read it. I eventually... <laughs> yes, ride the sandworm, Joe. Oh, God. Yeah, this this has been a project that has kept me sane mm. uh, mm-hmm. through a lot. And it, yeah, again, without trying to be too wishy-washy, has gotten me through a lot. It's something yeah. really... It's something I enjoy doing. I hope you enjoy doing. And I hope <laughs> the fine people out there enjoy listening to. Mm-hmm. It's uh, this this has been a, a a bit of a labor of love. And I'm I'm surprised, but not that surprised. We've we're, we're here today, I guess, is because yeah. the second we knew what we were going to do with this, I had a feeling that we would actually follow through on it yeah and Mm -hmm. and and that we that we could keep doing it because there's so much that we can continually talk about even if it sometimes is an excuse for you and i to catch up (laughs) yeah what what do you mean (laughs) no but it's it is um i I would i would i would point to all of our tangents where where it's just left in because it's for the it's for the experience. So we want you to feel like mm-hmm. you're really a part of our lives here and not exactly. just and not just a a regurgitation of information. This is a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um the, yeah, the the fa- the family thing. It's the a family the, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. La casa nostra. Exactly. Um that that's is that what it's called? Or is I it don't, la, co- la cosa nostra? No, I thought it was la casa. I I've heard that before, yeah. but it's okay. I'm blanking on it. <laughs> All right, I haven't seen The Sopranos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what we're going to try to do today is um, we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about ancient Egyptians. We've talked about uh, modern art. We've talked about uh, <laughs> uh, kind of everything in between. Um, I, guess, I guess between between the between all of that actually, yeah probably even I, past I, so, it <laughs> i th- yeah you know what there was that one time we went to the future as well oh that's true oh man we really covered the mm-hmm. timelines here at dc i think so and yet we still have just begun um so to kind of put a close on our first year joe and i would like to uh share a bit about ourselves yeah i think it's i think it's well um Mm-hmm. needed maybe i don't know if you guys yeah, want yeah. to hear it but you know well pre- pres- presumably there are people out there that uh listen to us week after week and don't know and it- it's it's hard to imagine people that aren't just our friends listening to this but there are uh-huh. those people out there and we do make references to our own works and our own backgrounds mm-hmm. and this 
is kind of an opportunity for us to talk about our stuff yeah. when we're not, you know, as easily Googleable as, you know, um, uh, did Dean Koontz make right. giant balloon animals? Right, right, exactly. We're not there yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so uh, today at the Uncanny County Museum, it is an art exhibition of Joe Semino and Zan Peters. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you all so much. So Joe. Joe Semino. Yes. Joe the Sardo. Uh you are an artist. I am an artist. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh what what what's kind of your elevator pitch? This was a thing that uh a professor of mine would talk about um in in undergrad. Mm-hmm. You know, w- without Without telling me your full artist statement, you and I are trapped in an elevator. What's your <laughs> elevator pitch for yeah. your work? You know, I literally had to do this like two weeks ago, and I'm still blanking <laughs> on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess for an elevator pitch without deep diving into too much jargon and whatnot, essentially, I'm interested in the experience of seeing and specifically recognizing what often goes unnoticed or overlooked Mm -hmm. in everyday life and even in day-to-day activities. It's mostly what my research revolves around. It's what my artwork revolves around is in this idea of, um, of the unnoticed. And Mm -hmm. if I can get a tiny more specific, I Mm -hmm. work a lot in project-based formats, all using time-based media mostly, which can range from, audiovisual to photography to even painting mostly dealing with time to sort of answer this question um Mm -hmm. and it never escapes me and i don't know if there's ever an answer (laughs) so right now it is it is very much that it is it is researching into the experience of seeing trying to understand what often goes unnoticed and even how imagery may condition the way that we see things um i don't know Mm -hmm. if that's too vague or not i hope that Mm -hmm. makes sense but maybe we'll be able to deep dive into it further later absolutely yeah um i mean that actually does kind of dovetail with uh, a question i had for you about your work is like do you do you talk about it differently to uh with artists versus like non-artists or even say like you know family members that Mm. aren't as like in tune with art jargon yeah i kind of have to because it's really hard to like, I, I really make it my goal not to have a practice that is so descriptive with art terminology that it's inaccessible yeah. to people. Because I think that that's a problem kind of right now. And I think it's always mm-hmm. been. Um, mm-hmm. You see that a lot with like ecology and Anthropocene and decolonialism. And like, I, I think they're all great words and I think they're all really important. But I think it's where yeah. you phrase them is important. Because like, for me, I lead yeah. with the same thing I told all of you. That tends to be what I go in with pretty much for everybody, but I do change it up. Gaslight, gatekeep, girl, girl boss. boss. Exactly. My, I have that in the in Comic Sans somewhere in my house. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, but I wish. Um, no, but I, but I think it's like, it's important to clarify and to be clear with that. But I do, like when I talk about it, let's say with my family, I... I'm pretty open about what I'm making and describing it. And if it's not registering, like if I talk with my mom, for instance, about like a work that Mm -hmm. I'm doing or a statement and she Mm -hmm. doesn't understand, I need to change it. 
and I need to rewrite a lot of it. And not in a bad way, but in this way of like, I want that to be accessible. Um, Mm -hmm. And also in that, I think, you know, talking about your work should be a clear and a very, um, yeah, a very clear uh, statement in a very direct way. But I think there's context that's missing. So like when Mm -hmm. somebody I don't know and is not a part of the art world, I mean, just like mm-hmm. a random person, is like, oh, what do you do? And you say, oh, I'm an artist, I'm a time-based media artist. Oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. Like, what do you do, like the computer stuff? And it's like, no, nah, you know, I work with video, work with photography, you know, I'm interested in this type of work. And like, I have to kind of right. give examples and I have to explain without yeah. going too deep. Whereas like, if I'm talking with you or I'm talking with other artists, friends of mine, I can make references to artists, movements, mm-hmm. uh, you know, specific works as well as things happening now. So that's when the decolonial thinking or Anthropocene or yeah. come in. Well, like I've, I've seen descriptions for classes that are available to me at my uh, school and my graduate program. Uh-huh. And the descriptions of the class, there are so many ologies and isms that like, I just kind of get through it. And I'm like, what the hell did I just read? I have no idea what this class is about. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You know, um, and it can that's the sort of incredible thing about art is it is this intersection of so many different things that you're a part of the social sciences in some sense and then in in another you're yeah uh trying to tackle aesthetics sure absolutely and yeah you want to you want to be able to talk about your stuff and get someone excited at any level if you're describing it and they're glazing over you're like okay maybe this i'm not making it clear what is what is grabbing me and you know with artwork you want to have some kind of observation that struck you that Mm. made you see things in a different light and Ultimately, that's what you're trying to translate, whether it's, you know, video art, abstract expressionism, a painting uh, or sculpture. It's I want to show someone this thing that I have found that I've I've stumbled upon. Right, Um, right. Well, mm -hmm. I think that can kind of lead me into a question I have for you, too, that Mm -hmm. is sort of in response um, to what you asked me, because I have some different types of questions here, too. But regardless, Mm -hmm. um, I I guess, too, if you could, you know, explain your, you know, I don't want to piggyback too hard off your your, um, question, but I think it's a very (laughs) good introduction to get a sense of this conversation about, you know, what it if you had to explain to me or to anybody Mm -hmm. else what you make, I would be curious Mm -hmm. to hear how you could describe your practice um, in that way. And then I have a follow up Mm -hmm. question for you after. Um, that can kind of intermingle that. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, just today as part of, you know, an orientation we're meeting, we met some uh, of the first year MFAs and postbacs that, you know, we're we're actually going to have a semester in person, which is still (laughs) mind-boggling. And, you know, they're just going around and they're like, so what's your name? What's your star sign? And what do you do? (laughs) And I'm just like, you know, I'm like, Zan, he, him, Libra, uh, I'm an oil painter. And I, you know, I, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a thing that like every now and then I find myself defending just, just being an oil painter. It's interesting. Um, Mm. but that, that is what I am. I have a drive to do it, even though it doesn't come naturally to me. It is a challenge for me, Hmm. but, um, 
I like being in that artistic lineage. I like being in dialogue with the history of painting, warts and all. Um, and I, you know, express that a lot through my choices of what I choose to paint. Um, yes. What the sort of central, um, the, the central thing of what, what I try to do is representation versus reproduction. Uh, if if that if I can kind of use that as a motto, um, you know, what does it mean to represent something which I think lends itself more to an an artistic definition? You know, you are representing sure. something. Um, art shows that the meaning of a reproduced image changes with context. That is representing something. Mm, mm. And reproduction, you know, again, you have this language of reproducibility, but that connotates, I think, mechanized reproduction, industrialization. Right. Um, but also science, you know, another thing that I'm very interested in and, you know, have, have been for pretty much my whole life. Mm -hmm. But science requires reproducible results that are the same every time. That's, you know, kind of why there's certain things that even though they're fun and there seems to be something to them, you know, if you want to get into like mythology or, uh, you know, even more hippy dippy stuff that can be fun to talk about, the, the lack of reproducibility, reproducible results means that science can't really account for it, you know? Right, right. Yeah, so... I sort of play with those two ideas, you know, where do they overlap? Where are they not as compatible? Um, mm. And through that, I look at a lot of artifacts and fossils, things that kind of harken back to um, my start in my education as a paleontology major. Mm -hmm. I look at a lot of extinct animals, things that are no longer reproducible, but I can represent them. I can reproduce their image, but why does their... Why is it different to reproduce the image of something that is gone? Um, you know, mm. how do we how do we deal with that loss? Uh, how how do we cope with that? Does it? What is it? What does it do for us? Because it definitely doesn't do something for the dead thing, right? You know? right. Oh, that's very yeah. I I am. It's very interesting hearing you say this. Um, I mean, obviously, I have a bias. I know your work, so it, it changes a bit of the <laughs> yeah, lens I, I, I see think, it. But I think, it, I think we, we stacked the interview a little bit. This isn't exactly Frost-Nixon. You know? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, like, I mean, if I When could... a president does it, it's not illegal. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um... But if I if I can to follow up with that because I have a question that mm -hmm. I think is related mm -hmm. in this way, mm -hmm. I was always wondering, you know, what inspired you to get involved in the arts after having mm -hmm. such a strong fascination with paleontology at a young age? Because I know you've brought that mm -hmm. up a lot, both personally and as well as I think mm -hmm. on at the museum too. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm curious on how that intersect happened and led you down this path. Um. Well, I. As much as science has always been in my life, art has too. You know, I right. grew up basically in my mother's uh, art studio. Mm. Um, you know, I, I mean, quite quite literally. You know, that was kind of my second home. Was uh, being being in the other room while she was either teaching classes or selling art. 
I was always around it. Wow. Um, I was on the road with her when she, you know, she used to do art shows like all the oh. time. We we had this van. I I rode I rode quite a bit with her. Huh. Uh, just just uh, going going to art shows. Uh, and so I I was always around that. That's interesting. I didn't. I think there was this moment in high school where I started to take it a little more seriously just because, you know, I had always been sculpting more than anything and sort of tinkering with that. I, I mm. liked making things. I It usually would start with, I wanted a thing to exist, so I made it. It was like right. my, my, my toys weren't what I wanted, so I would sculpt new ones out of paper or out yeah. of clay or something. That's like, funny. I did the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've... I, I watched you tinker with cardboard mm-hmm. for like six months and it was <laughs> it was delightful. Yeah. Very true. But um I was floundering in a lot of stuff in middle school and high school because I had this idea that I could be a paleontologist because it was the thing that I really, really loved. I would mm. it, it it took nothing for me to read about it and to do my own research on it. I had very little discipline as a student and, you know, along with some other like family drama going on in the background, I just could not focus on my schoolwork. But art was kind of always there for me. I hmm. I didn't it, it was weird that it didn't occur to me that because it had always been there. I was always sculpting um, my like freshman year of high school. I was so absolutely miserable. And then things turned around sophomore year, like grades and my attitude just because I finally was able to take an art class. It I think probably saved me from worse things Mm. and just as far as my attitude goes and roads i could have gone down i guess not not to like get too dark um but you know once i i started doing that and i i finally had this thing where i was getting rewarded for doing something i was passionate about which up until that point everything when i did something that felt good and rewarding to me it was not what i was supposed to be doing Hmm. so Hmm. it it had always been there you know i had i i was i was in ap uh an ap sculptural class ap 3d in high school i built i spent three years building a portfolio oh my god you know wow (laughs) it's yeah all all for all for a a a four which was so good what are you talking about um yeah but it it was like it was still the thing is like i've I've worked on that for three years you know um and uh you know then i uh going to msu i still had it in my head i was going to be a paleontology major but i was like i'll double major in art oh okay eventually sort of was running into similar things where i just wanted to be working on more art i didn't feel like i would make a very good paleontologist I, I don't think I would make a particularly great scientist. I think I'm just sort of fascinated by it and I want to talk to people about it. But <laughs> Right, right. It's... I I I I have I, I, I don't I don't entirely know what it is, and maybe one day I'll have to explore it further, but I have some sort of work ethic problem when it comes to sort of the discipline required for science. And it's like, not something I'm like shameful about, but it is like slightly embarrassing. Like, 
looking back on my performance, like even like the turn my GPA made once I like stopped taking science classes, I will say it is weird being the one person in an art class that can do not that that can do intermediate math. Yeah, I feel that you're you suddenly feel like a like you suddenly are like I was an awful science student and you know I barely skated by calc 1 and calc 2 but now I'm like in this room with all these people and none of them like no no math <laughs> I felt very accepted <laughs> not, not not to be not to be too condescending but it was, no, no, it was no, always no. this thing it was like I was the best artist um in a science class and I was the best scientist in an art class. I felt like That's I belonged. I felt like I belonged nowhere because I wasn't committed to mm. anything. And I p- said, you know what? I'm better at one of these things. I'm finally going to commit to something. Mm, okay. And he, and here we are, years later. Like that right. That that that's that's sort of all that's... snowballed from that from that yeah. decision to commit to something for once. Interesting. Well, it's funny though because <laughs> it makes total sense. Like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know obviously coming at these things at a at a personal level is a bit different. I'm sure mm-hmm. I have my biases towards my own self too with this, but it's like mm-hmm. having knowing your work and a bit of your past in this way, it's like I can totally see how it's meant to be visual art and how mm-hmm. all of the passions you have and all of the interests in science and paleontology, history, literature, philosophy all combine and mm-hmm. allow for the work you do to happen. Because I don't mm-hmm. think if you had those, I don't know if it would be the work that you have. Because it's very methodical. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen you oil paint. It is this incredible pro, you know, uh, process. And I hope you know when you have big shows one day and you do live painting, maybe Aww. that somebody can see it. Because it is this very. <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was such a pleasure having to, the. I guess what half a year because we got cut off to have a shared studio space with you because it was I mean, really then, interesting. Then, to then see. we were then we were trapped in the same apartment together. That's true. I guess it year. was a year. So we'll technically, year. it was it was kind of like we shared a studio for a year. Yeah, we shared that table. We shared the table. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just David. that, like, I you know, it's like it's like, uh, yeah, we all make our art together in this room, but mm-hmm, we also, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, eat in this room too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's um. It was definitely very interesting to be able to experience that. But I think, yeah, I, I can totally see where you're coming from. And it's very interesting hearing the the personal history as well attached to how you arrived here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I mean I appreciate all of that. It's way too kind. <laughs> no. Um but yeah, it um it you you do realize that I think the thing that troubled me at first when i was having to make that decision to like basically say no i can't do this i don't want to be an undergrad for six years Mm, you know um or six or seven years trying to you know juggle these two things it felt like i had wasted time i see that really frustrated me yeah at first because i'd come in with this plan to do to try and do this double major to do art and paleo i didn't really have advisors that knew what to do with me and so i tried to figure things out for myself and it just kind of didn't work it like right. i was three years in to like you know my a paleo degree and i had to take all these specific classes that would conflict with studio art classes mm. and 
then suddenly you just like want to break down and cry because you works you worked legitimately hard on this thing and tried to balance your life on your own and it just felt like kind of like the first like the first thing that's like no you you cannot do this you cannot yeah. like just keep doing this this uh this path that doesn't really go anywhere and it felt like wasted time but you know then i found the museum studies minor where i could mm. put a lot of those classes you do make it relevant you make your you make your past and you bring those experiences with you wherever you go and 100%. i mean that that even goes for like jobs that you've had that you know oh, yeah that that aren't even like in line with what you do mm -hmm. that actually kind of leads to a thing i wanted to ask about you because oh, okay <laughs> you you deal a lot with um you know even even as you talk about like noticing things mm -hmm. that you know you want to take a second look at um you deal a lot with memory as well and you yes, deal yeah. with uh history particularly family history mm -hmm. as time goes on do you find that pieces you've made mean different things to you at different points well, that's a good question uh yeah i think they do i think they do i mm -hmm. um because it's it's like it's interesting you bring up like the memory projects to or, or just memory in general being attached to my work because i definitely agree it is in nostalgia in particular as well i think it's it's all connected to my i mean if we're getting real to my existential mm -hmm. dread of time running mm -hmm. out i definitely think mm -hmm. that's what's kind of the ironic part of being a time-based artist but it's because mm -hmm. it's the language i worked in like it's something i've been thinking about more recent because like i remember when i was younger i was very frantic about running out of time to do things like because I I had like a you know schedule as a kid too like you have to go to bed at eight and you have to do this so I yeah, like yeah. cram to do free time things like you know by five I wanted to be watching a show or I wanted to do this and my like my dad would always like tease me and be like why are you so worried about like you have all the time <laughs> in the world but it's like we don't because I think I understood as a kid very early on that like we technically mm -hmm. don't have that much time but right. it, as I've grown up it's it's a different I have a different relationship with it now so yeah how I look at my work you know because I have a like. A similar in a way i think maybe well obviously different because we have different paths but like i mm -hmm. as, even as an artist i haven't been an artist technically as long as other people that i've known you know i did not do I, heart in high school i took one class um mm. and i took a outside class that changed my life more so than a high school art i didn't like high school art actually because i didn't like i mean the people in it were fine right. and they're great some of them turned out to be amazing artists some of them still make art today but it was like you know, I felt so behind and my confidence was not there, but right. I was a music kid. So I was doing a mm -hmm. lot more of that. But I've been doing this thing recently where I've been looking back at some of my works and thinking about them again because of this more concrete understanding of what I'm attracted to, what I'm doing with noticing. And mm -hmm. I've realized it's been there um, a lot. It's been there the whole time, that noticing, because in undergrad, right, this is, a, this is an example I'd like to use more now. Um, first drawing class ever, had a professor that changed my life. He's very, I'm very close with him. He's like my grandfather, but he, honestly, he is. I've adopted him as that. But um, I was terrified of this class to draw. <laughs> Terror, like I was going to shift majors instantly. But we had this assignment later in the middle of it where you were using midtone and dark paper and using white over it. And I was driving home because I commuted, and I was driving home and noticed that 
there was in my neighborhood, which is ironic given the recent work that I've done here, but um, which I'll get into maybe later. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was driving home, turning the corner. It's like probably 10 at night. And there's a spotlight of the, what do you call those things? The, um, you know, like at street in, lamp. Yeah, street lamp glaring down on a fire hydrant and the lighting is beautiful and now i can mm-hmm. contextualize mm-hmm. it as like a william eggleston kind of photograph moment yeah but then i did i was like this is amazing it's incredible like i love it i pulled my car over right i pulled the mm-hmm. car over got yeah. out took a picture of my phone and i drew it in class the next day or i forget when specifically but i was right, thinking yeah. about that more recently like oh my god it makes sense i didn't get and so like yeah. i think the way like how we remember things is very fascinating to me, but how we remember artworks is also really interesting. So, you know, like we're talking about with memory, so I don't go too off topic with the question. A a work of mine that you can watch, actually, everybody at home, it's called Never Saw or Sad. It's a bunch of trailers on YouTube. Check it out. And because it'll just be more, you'll understand, I think, the context of it by seeing it because I can't mm-hmm. explain it too much. <laughs> but essentially, you know, those trailers deal with like how we look at the past, how we look at my I, how I look at my family's past, my family's history, but also how it can be remembered and the impossibility right. of remembering. And a lot of yeah. that project was through collaboration. And I think about it like, you know, my mom in this story went through her immigration past of going through what she had to go through to, to you know, end up where she did, which was totally unknown. She had no idea that she would end up in the U.S. And it's not particularly a spectacular story. It's more of a regular one. But for me... You know, I always wonder, like, I wonder how that goes through with her. Like, does she think about the fact that, like, okay, she had kids who then record this history. And then when I have, if if I have children, you know, and I'm older, I get to relook at those trailers. But then I wonder how my, if I have children again, you know, how they will remember it, if they will choose to remember it. How do these stories get passed on? How does that continue? Where can that Mm -hmm. go? So I often like to think about how my work is going to be read in like 20 years, 10 mm-hmm. years, or how it's going yeah. to hold up. And I think that's a very interesting thing. And in many cases, I kind of like to play with that. Like the trailers, right? They could exist right. on YouTube as long as the YouTube exists. They can exist uh, in my head as long as they want or anybody's. I think that's very <laughs> fascinating to me. I don't know if this answers yeah. your question or got a little too off topic, but... No, no, no. I mean, that's... Uh, that that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Just that, that the, the time and the reinterpretation potential of your work then is Mm -hmm. part of the work, you know, that's, that, that's, that's actually, that's a, a different answer (laughs) than kind of what I was expecting, but actually I think more interesting. Okay. All Um, right. I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. such a, it's a, it's an interesting thing to, I think, um, you know, question and i think too like it's um yeah i don't know it's so a part of my work and i also am very curious like like i often like to think about where i was five years before now and then i'm also thinking about where i'm going to be five years from now what's my work going to evolve into because every time i think i hit a peak it goes further it gets pushed further and i think that that's like the advice i give anybody too is like always just kind of like you know work and tr- and and push mm-hmm. yourself in this way because eventually you find what i think it is that drives your yeah. practice your passions whatever it is but through those mhm mm-hmm. but if i you know i have i had a question too for you that i think you oh, actually for, me? for you yes that you actually <laughs> led into really nicely when discussing the museum studies and this 
pertains to no that. one's ever going to believe that we didn't plan this i know right <laughs> well yeah um but I, so I think it's interesting that you mentioned that. I also think in the context of our museum here, it's partially part of this question too. So I was wondering how it's been to incorporate research and curatorial studies as well as practice at times into your own artistic practice, both from maybe the museum or even museum studies uh, that you were saying you've, you've done. I'm, I guess I'm kind of wondering if that's influenced how you decide what you want to paint, how you want to express it and what your work tends to go towards hmm hmm um i mean i i think it has in a way in in some ways like having these conversations with you every week has streamlined a lot of my thoughts has helped me just articulate articulate things better like i thought i'm having a lot of times if i am getting off topic it's because there's been something that (laughs) week that has been sort of plaguing my brain and I just kind of need to say out loud and I don't really have an audience outside of, uh, I, I, I don't really know where, and I don't want to bother Allison that much with it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, but, uh, it, I, I think it's made me appreciate having, having research ready, having, work that you do prior to to something that there there are times when i can just make a make a work and just it it just feels reflexive it's like i just Mm. make this but a lot of times i it i have to sit and work at something and sketch it over and over again and until i really find like what what am i trying to get out of this right you know when we speak we can we have an opportunity to talk about all of our our hang-ups about a topic mm, uh mm. add in all of our caveats before we make a statement and painting it's a little harder to do that because you're just dealing with a visual and you're just trying to give somebody uh a, a a visual experience and hope that they leave with some sort of other curiosity beyond right. that at, at least in my case at least that's what i try to do so um it it does kind of help me talk out it, it helps me to talk out um sort of the things that are on my mind certainly mm. and you know the 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 research and the like going over it in my head over and over again, if it's like if I'm walking or running or on the bus or something, there's, you know, that that underwater part of the iceberg that goes into everything, you know, what you don't see versus what you do see. That's that's always present in anything that anyone does. I'm like one thing I've always been kind of amazed about is that we don't run out of uh stuff we don't run out of new stuff because Mm. it you know just 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 factually statistically it takes it takes longer to make anything than it does to consume it even if you are making the most easily produced thing you know Mm. um i can i can spend hours and hours and hours on a work of art you know it can take months to make a movie yeah um you know it can take months or a year to like record an album 
And yet there's enough people out there that are willing to make things that we like don't hit the end. There's right. always more. And that's that's kind of you you don't have to worry about it being the end all be all. You're mm. not you're not um and and this is something I've had to like get myself out of the mindset. This is there does not have to be some masterwork that lays yes. it all out. Right, right. Uh and I can kind of look at my work as all parts of a a conversation, you know, and mm. and hopefully the the beginning of another conversation. Definitely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a very good way to to look at it for sure and i i struggle mm -hmm. with the exact same thing so i it's it's interesting hearing <laughs> yeah. it said because it's that well like it, it's even interesting hearing you say like as a kid you like mm -hmm. were aware of like oh we don't have forever we gotta uh, oh we gotta <laughs> like yeah it's 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 funny like when you're a kid and you start to think about oh all this isn't gonna be here forever um, right yeah i think i my my parents sent me to like a day camp, you know, um, and it was like a nature camp. I think it was just called oh, okay. nature camp. You know, <laughs> you tromp through the you tromp through like a very small forest preserve. You check off all the insects and lizards you see, you know, that's cool. And like, yeah, like you're that like that's the camp you're OK, you're, you're looking at you're looking at uh, birds and bugs and stuff and uh and getting bit by mosquitoes um but you know you're, you're out of the house and your parents don't have to deal with you during the day sure, sure um but we played this game that was supposed to like simulate the like the food chain on like the american planes like there was a team of us that like it was it was basically a modified version of tag or like capture the flag or something but like oh, okay your wolves chasing a bison herd and you know the uh you're trying to grab the baby bison and if the baby bison survive to maturity they become the adult bison who can protect the baby bison mm. um and like at one point i just like as like a little kid i was like wait that's all that happens you just live and then you reproduce <laughs> and then you get older and then you die oh my god and yeah, like I mean it it like put me in a funk for like a week when I just oh, like yeah. had to like wrap my head around like, oh, that's that's all that happens. Whoa, okay. Oof. Existential okay. crisis at a young age. <laughs> it's like you had the you had the uh, the reality awakening where you were like, oh my god, this yeah. is it. I I think we all have. The, yeah. It's always so interesting to me to hear. Maybe there's a project in that of of asking mm -hmm. when you when um yeah when when did you become aware of your mortality yeah when were you caught yeah when did i've well, never heard i've never heard jimmy fallon ask anybody that that's a good question to be <laughs> honest i mean it's like maybe well jimmy fallon doesn't ask that many good questions but maybe we should start asking that to people it's it, it is that as well as what is your earliest childhood memories that's always one of my favorite questions and i'm not even the one that came up with that like i've asked that in my practice I would, but i would love to see jimmy fallon ask you know some so ask a celebrity when did you become aware of your mortality they answer and he still does that thing where he laughs and almost falls out of his chair oh like my god like he just he oh jimmy fallon like th there was this guy uh that would do oh um he ran a lot of open mics in saint pete um and 
you know, I would be there and there's like, you know, a, a handful of bands that are going up, but sure, most sure. of the time slots get filled up with amateur comedians. Right. And amateur stand-up comedians are, I'm sorry, by and large, not funny. Uh, yeah. Not funny people, but they think they're very funny. And they will get up there, they'll say something, and it was kind of this guy's job, because he's running the open mic, to laugh and then clap to try oh, and get God. people in the audience to laugh at the unfunny thing they said. <laughs> and, like, Christ. it would be, like, and, like, some guy who's, like, just telling, like, just some horrible, like, sexist or racist joke, you know, and people and he's like huh, women am i right and then uh. this, and then the guy running the open mic's like ha and oh my like, god and like he's trying to make it less awkward cuz the right. awkward the, the silence is the most painful <sighs> thing after someone tells a joke that's not funny yeah, metaphorical um, going off. Yeah, yeah, he's trying, but like he's trying to make something out of nothing. Um, yeah, I got you. alchemy, alchemy like. Uh, but uh, uh, to kind of like pick up where you had been talking about your stuff, you make a lot of well, because you started in illustration, right, and like and did some digital illustration as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and now kind. Oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. So now you've also, you know, done a lot of sound and video art. Yes. And you were also talking about how, you know, your art could mean different things to, you know, down the, down the road. It's all about sure. how it ages if it's still around. Now, yes. as a digital artist, I'm sure you're also, like, partially, like, conscientious of some of that stuff, like, Mm-hmm. not being readable or not being readily available because there's there are issues that we may run into in the not so distant future of you know j- just these technologies that will have only existed for a short amount of time to be able yeah. to play some of that art like as a often digital artist cuz I know you make you make other work as well <laughs> but as an often digital artist what does the what does having an art object mean to you? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's really interesting because I'm somebody that really likes physical objects. I like to collect things. Mm-hmm. I always have. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. got a lot of criticism for it from my <laughs> my parents who are very much in the future. Like they don't like older tech because it's outdated. I love it because it's just there's history mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like, I guess, in, like, I, I was just having this conversation recently. Like, I was debating on getting another Kindle, like a Kindle paperweight. Because I was like, you know, with all the money spent on books, and I, I don't have a lot of room in that. I have this, like, desire to be minimal, but I hate minimalism deep down. Right. But I always will desire to be that way because I have this, like, fear that I collect too many things where I think it's important to embrace yeah. it. Because at the end of the day, I don't like reading things on the tablet. I don't like that experience i like a paperback there's something to it so -hmm. if i could use this as a springboard to jump into artwork even movies right i like to collect movies and as a visual artist that's probably why i ended up in video 
even though I didn't go to film mm-hmm. school and I didn't study, well, I guess I studied film by watching a ton of movies, which is essentially what everybody does. Let's be real. <laughs> but like, besides technical stuff, I'm going to be honest. That's how you learn. You learn from artists. That is mm-hmm. art school. And you learn from practice. So to me, you know, that was my real existential threat in, in undergrad because I was, you know, I went into school because I I ended up switching into fine art because I wanted to be an architecture student, but I didn't really want to be mm. an architecture student. I kind of just was like, mm-hmm. this sounds like something I would like. It's a blend of science and math and uh, art, which I hate science and math. So I don't know why I thought this was a good idea because I was a history kid <laughs> in high school. That was my thing. That's what I was really good at. And I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. And um, yeah. so ironically, it came back into my practice, just like we were talking about that all these things do. So a- anyway, to, to answer this question, I... Yeah, because I, I worked as a illustrator. I did everything digitally because I liked it. I wanted to be a concept artist for games, environmental artists, things that were painted, but you had to do them quickly, so you did them digitally. And you weren't really expected to hold on to them. And I started having that problem of, well, I want physical prints, and I want a physical object to remain, but I don't want to deal with the expense and the storage. And so I thought digital drawing was a good solution, and it turns out maybe I was wrong on my own practice because I kind of got bored <laughs> to, to be honest. And so now, you know, I work a lot with multimedia and photography and video, really video and sound, which I don't have because I can't afford it. I'm going to be honest. I don't have like <laughs> tape or vinyl to record into because it right. is not unfortunately as acceptable right now, like in terms of, or accessible, not acceptable. It's obviously acceptable. Um, so <laughs> for me, you know, a dream would be to have, that solution where your films can be preserved in a format that could be accessible anywhere not just digitally and the same with sound that sound like i've been very fascinated with recording to tape or recording to vinyl or seeing how that can go but at the same time i'm also opposed to the art object sometimes because i think it can be limiting Mm-hmm. So in my own practice, because I know this is very convoluted, and I'm probably losing a bunch of you, and I'm sorry, because this is just how I am. <laughs> so <laughs> as much as I want to hold on to my artworks and have a copy of them, sometimes I don't want to. And I, and as an example, mm-hmm. I like the Midnight Drive, a work I plugged here a lot, I designed it to be online. I designed it to be accessible to anybody because partially that work was one, I wanted to start a podcast as well as I wanted to experiment with what would happen if somebody talked to you on the radio, not just you listening. So that was the concept. And then this idea of being, well, really, I was mad, too, because of not being able to go to galleries, not being able to uh, see art, experience art, and being frustrated that that was being locked for people to just do it through digital means. So how can we fix that, right? How can you use a technology to its advantage for everybody to hear? And maybe it doesn't last forever, but that's okay. It doesn't have to. Um, I'm always interested in that idea too of the nothing or the idea itself just remembering past the actual thing. Uh So I think that's where I find myself. And maybe that's why I end up in this whole conceptual realm of art making more so than physical art making and why I was always caught in this because on. I think one of our main differences as artists, um, you and I, Zan, is that you make things in the real physical with paint and have the experience of painting. And I've learned a lot from your work in this way because I've learned to appreciate painting as a material 
and the materiality of art objects and working with that. And I think that was able to go into my artwork now where even when I have video art, I know how to install it as a physical object where the TV itself mm -hmm. can become the object, the Raspberry Pi that powers it can be it. Um, the installation itself is the art. It's not yeah. the video being played because not everything just because it's video should be played online, even sound. I, I Obviously, <laughs> when I make music, I design it to be online. I would love to be able to record it to vinyl one day. That's the dream. Um, and sell it that way maybe or even just provide <laughs> it. So I think there's a balance, but I think it's really, and to really answer this because I know I keep dancing around it, I think it's it's where the art requires itself to be and not being too opposed to one or the other. So some projects I say, you know what? I want a book and it's going to exist as a book and it has to and they won't be available online, just documentation. And in others I say, no, it is going to be available online and it's going to be ephemeral in this way. And if it did, if we have an EMP and we go back to hunter gathering, um, that is what it is. And I think um, part of that is because I'm plagued by this question that an artist who came to talk with us asked. I think I mentioned it here before, but I'll reiterate it of what would you, if, if we were in the apocalypse, how would you not, it wasn't survive as an artist. Like what would you do as an artist? What would artists do? What would your responsibility be? How would you be mm -hmm. a creative in that time? Like, what would you use as your skills? And I think about right, that a right. lot because it's and it wasn't he did not yeah. do this in the engineering type style of like art is useless. It was beyond right. material. Why is this right. important? And I see why it is because yeah. it's important to notice these things. It's important to be feeling and in touch with intuition and creativity because without creativity, you don't get to progress society. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, that's um that's uh that's very well put i um uh, again <laughs> different different type of answer than i was like kind of expecting out of that but that was because i i don't think we've because we didn't spend um the last year of your mfa and yeah. and mine together i think this is kind of a lot of the stuff we've missed out on with each other yeah, which is actually exactly. really nice to hear as well um I and and yeah, that's like that is a very deep question as to <laughs> yeah, if if everything else is stripped away, what what are we doing? What are we providing? What are we yeah. producing uh, for for a society? And like, ha have you ever read? Um, I, there, there's a couple different like names for it. It's a it's a Kafka story, uh, like Josephine the singer or like Josephine and the Mouse People sounds familiar i don't remember it though mm -hmm. okay so basically it's a story about like these people that are described as very tiny they live they might be mice they might not be it's vague it's very it's very okay. kafka-esque because oh, nice. it is you know written by kafka um and um josephine is in this society of all these people that live in fear that you know their lives could end at any time because they're so small they're so vulnerable mm. um but josephine is a singer and people like to hear her sing some people don't call it singing but they still listen some people even talk about how they don't particularly like it but they still are drawn to her they the big crowds form even though the crowds aren't safe just people gather because they have to listen to josephine sing and josephine makes a case for herself that well if i want to 
preserve my voice and I want to keep doing this, then I shouldn't work Hmm. because this is my work to society. And a lot of other people are like, well, it's not the same as physical labor, which the rest of us have to do. So it doesn't count as work. You can't count that as your contribution to society. All you're doing is singing. And it doesn't really resolve in any way. It's just sort of, it just is this metaphor and this contemplation of, okay, do do we deserve to have that role? Mm, you know, interesting. And it's it's something I think about a lot as 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 an artist. Like, what gives me the right to do this? Right? Huh? Yeah. That isn't. Yeah. I mean, that's a valid question, though. It is interesting, but I also think it's like. I think it, it it's it's this is not a practical answer but I do genuinely mm-hmm. believe that it's important like that it art mm-hmm. arts are important creativity is important because without it I don't think you have creative problem solving to certain things because at the but end of the day this is also it's why thinking. this is also why I envy printmakers and ceramicists because they know exactly what they'd be doing <laughs> if the EMP happened they would right. welcome it they would welcome yeah. it I mean, that's true, but I think that was for me, like, <laughs> why I was so limited, because I'm not good at those things. Like, I, I never had a, a, a good technical idea on something. I wish, I always wished I was good at one thing. Mm. But I don't think I, I, I don't mean, think I would same. trade, I don't think I would trade how I am, though. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't think I would trade it, because it's good to be talented at many things, for sure. And, like, I guess good to be good at many things, but maybe not expert in one. But at the same time, it gives you so much freedom, you know, like you can dabble in yeah. so much and apply it to whatever you do. And and I think you were there when we were in grad school mm-hmm. for this. Like that was a big question that I had to face. And I had to face it more in my second year than the first of like, art's a big field. Where do you find yourself? And mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. coming out of a context without really establishing that or being challenged about it. And I didn't really appreciate what I was doing. Like I liked working digitally, but my concept was always bigger than the image I was making. The only time I ever really expressed my concept and my ideas in a more, you know, fine art way or expressive way was in, um, really it was in drawing and, and, uh, it was in, Mm -hmm. it was in a video making video and performance art because those were really not restricted. And I had good professors who didn't restrict me because it's very easy to get caught in canons. And I, well, yeah. I guess that has double meaning, but you know what I mean? Like, it's very easy <laughs> to get to get drawn into the history of American painting and illustration, which is very predominant, especially in the Northeast. And look, there's no problem to that. And it's the same thing with even like the more Cal art styles or cartoon styles, right? Like, fine, there's nothing wrong with that per se, but it's limiting at the end of the mm-hmm. day if you're trying to do something more. So even... You know, like even a professor of, of ours had to kind of talk with me about it and explain that it's not necessarily my fault, but it's this tradition that is embedded in our in the way that we paint, in the way I was taught right. painting. That's li- it's not you don't have to do it that way. That's not the only way that you can paint. Right. You don't have to paint naturalistically. It's okay, mm-hmm. or, or 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 in the way of like um. You know, like, like I guess, like, uh, even, like, the style of James Gurney. Like, I don't know what you call it, but this, like, more painterly-esque, Illust- but, like, realistic, Illust- you know? Illust- right. Illustrative. I illustrative. Mean, he, 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 yeah, he is, he is an illustration style. James yes. Gurney, though, has 
the technical skill of someone who knows how to oh yeah he's he's an illustrator in the best sense because i i I, his work is still so painterly yeah that it trusts the viewer's eye to complete and make sense of the image it's oh yeah it's not that overly descriptive illustrator style. Exactly. But, yeah. And, and and he's a master and he's a great artist. Like, do not get me mm-hmm. wrong. But I think that for me, he's a good reference for light. And his actually, it's funny because his subject matter in his more recent stuff is exactly what I'm interested in. So I find that very <laughs> funny. But I've learned, I'm trying to un- actually unlearn this idea that when I go to approach gouache or um, oil paint, it doesn't have to be a picture it doesn't have to be pictorial that's okay right. it can be an expression and yeah. i found that through color like you know i it, well i guess i can explain this probably to everybody like in my work color and light are very very important that is like the yeah. fundamentals of what i do besides time right so saturated mm-hmm. colors i will always use i hated working in color when i started as an artist <laughs> i hated it it was so frustrating to me but it was because i didn't understand it i didn't know how to replicate it i didn't know how to use it once i learned how to use it which, yeah. believe it or not, wasn't even in color theory or painting. It was in, like, mm-hmm. photography and then... I guess it wasn't painting. It wasn't in color theory, though, because... But there, there's, like, there's like that idea that I think even my mom kind of has that's, you know, black and white photography is the is the fine art version. Oh, yeah, that's um, such a trope. So, it's, <laughs> that yeah, was broken it, it, for it me. Is, it is, um, and I think there's even... Um, I don't know how like much you're supposed to adhere to this but i think the adage i don't know if it's annie Leibowitz. i think it's been attributed to her but it's like you know when you shoot in color you're shooting clothes if you shoot in black and white you're shooting people that sounds right which, yeah, yeah which you could you could argue for i could argue for or against that you know it's it's Same. whatever you know um i think but I think the when I saw Gary Winogrand's color exhibition at the Brooklyn Museum, that opened my eyes to the potential of color and especially color photography yeah. in a a way that helps me understand. I think where okay. where you're coming from, and if you anybody out there has not seen, you know Gary Winogrand's most famous photos are in black and white, but his color photos, good, I think to me read as paintings because I, I they agree. are, they are using shapes of color in ways that mm-hmm. a, a painter would use. His his oh, composition yeah. on them is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely, but I, and I think those languages can intersect too. You know, like paint the language of painting coming into photography. I mean, for sure, that's what happens to me. Um, and I definitely take a lot of influence from a history of painting, even though I'm not a painter, but I, I I don't know, like I work like one, you know, but I don't oil paint. It's not how I envision my work. It's, but I will paint in the sense of, I don't paint, but I use the language of painting a lot when it comes to video or when it comes to even sound because it's how I think. If that makes any but it, sense, but it's 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 a vocabulary kind yes, of. No matter yeah. what you're trying to do with it, I I read this really. I'm gonna butcher it and paraphrase it right now, but I read this really great um thing in a um. I'm currently reading a compilation of uh, Flannery O'Connor. Oh, nice stories. 
Nice. And I, I've been super fascinated to read her, but the intro is uh, written by Lauren Groff, who wrote a, another book I think I've mentioned on here called Florida. It's another collection of short stories. Hmm. But it's Gro- Groff talking about O'Connor and talking about, you know, Flannery O'Connor writes about the South, the American South and kind of the 50s and 60s. Um, and, you know, has a lot of uh, characters that are racists, that are, you know, not good people. Right. But it comes from, it comes from Flannery O'Connor's place in the South as an outsider, but also someone who is so entrenched. And right. Groff's sort of evaluation of O'Connor is that you have to be entrenched in order to be truly subversive. You have to buy in. You have Mm. to be fully in on something before you can begin to pick it apart. Interesting, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I quite quite like that as Mm -hmm. a way of looking at this. Mm -hmm. Um, Hmm. Well, too, I feel like also we've been talking a bit about how my process is. And I've been curious to hear a little a bit about yours. And now I know that a lot of your work, and also you very eloquently uh, described it earlier, you know, but deals with loss of animal life and as well as like memories that can surround them and that do surround them. And I was wondering if you could elaborate a bit on your process and the concept that goes in to the creation of these paintings and how you go about them. Hmm. Um, well, it's (laughs) a lot more trial and error than I think I care to admit. Um, like even in trying to do like I've been trying to make more TikTok videos that like show my painting process and I don't understand. I don't understand people that just like have a painting start to finish and don't like reposition something, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's um, it's it's something I uh you know, have to, uh, have, have to, uh, always, always work with. Um, so yeah, I mean, just, just the painting process in general is not as, is not linear and that can be sure. frustrating or that can be exciting, you know, that definitely things, things can change as you're making it. It, it always starts with something that grabs my attention. If there's an animal or a story I'm fixated on, that's really where, everything kind of starts and mm, okay you know there can be something like um like in the news uh there was no mates nigel the gannet that um he had been living uh amongst a bunch of statues of other gannets on this island in new zealand some mm. biologists had put the statues there they're basically like just little concrete decoys uh to try and entice some gannets to nest on that island and to form a colony which would be great because there's no invasive species on that island there's no rats it would be a great way to build up the population but no gannets ever moved there except for one named nigel who seemed to you know go through the motions of having relationships having a mate uh uh, just was living out his life with replicas of gannets and then you know, even when another colony eventually did land on the island, 
Nigel died alone. He stayed by the statues and oh. died by himself, uh, but surrounded by the decoys. Um, you know, and this was like this was like a a long time. You know, it, uh, years and years of this bird, uh, living there. And it's a painting I'm still continually working on. The painting's been through about like three different iterations, so many sketches. Um, sure. And I even did finish one painting that is up on my Instagram of uh, some gannets with, you know, some decoys and then one gannet that's looking at you, the uh, viewer. But it still is not saying what i wanted to say i'm still trying to work out what exactly i want to say about nigel it's not mm. just that it's sad it's not just that it's you know sort of um you know an illustration of human intervention in the ecosystems because that's not that's that's the obvious thing that's anybody can tell you that once they hear the story but there's something else to that story about that you could take as a as an example of an environmentalist issue. Mm, but okay. I feel like for it to work for me as a painting, there has to be something else beyond it. When you make art that only applies to this one thing that one time doesn't feel like good art at, at least to me it doesn't sure sure it should feel like something that can almost be grafted onto something else i felt like i felt like the night the no mates nigel story which itself is a little esoteric i can't expect people to know the no mates nigel story but there was something about that that honestly spoke to a lot of the loneliness I was feeling at the time, and I think a lot of other people were feeling mm. at the time, this being, you know, um, uh, 2020, um, when uh, this was happening and when I was trying to uh, do that painting right. um, and into 2021. There, there was an element of loneliness of the world feeling, you know, a little more empty, but maybe it's maybe it's not empty you know you don't necessarily have to look at nigel as lonely because he stayed at the end with his with his decoys you know right, he did right. not go and join the living breathing so what what does that say can can you replicate things that should not be able to be reproduced like a relationship um right yeah. or is it not replacing it is it just something else entirely and it's a thing that's plaguing me and it's a thing i don't have an answer to and that's my process that's, yeah that's your artistic <laughs> question right that's your research question yeah at the end of I, it. I think i i think in more successful paintings where i've i've figured it out it it has to be something that that doesn't that doesn't just have that easily observed yeah like first reaction to it right I, that makes sense to me that to me that doesn't always come off right and it's very easy to fall in especially when you make work about the environment mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can easily fall into one of those categories because i mean what 
even as people that care about the environment, art, that is always our complaint about environmentalist art. It's so obvious, you know? Yeah. Yeah, if I, I'm, I'm hoping that that makes mm-hmm. sense. My, no, my absolutely. Pro- but, but it really is just trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting hearing like the depth. And, and I mean, I've also seen it, but even now this is very eye-opening to the depth that goes into your painting process. And I really do think too, maybe one time, one day in your artistic practice mm-hmm. in your future, I feel like arts-based research might come into play at some point, perhaps mm-hmm. as an answer to what you're asking or as a way of exploring these questions. Cause I don't think every question has to have an answer. I also don't want to think that, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you're working on this idea and part of the process feels like not being able to finish the work. I think that's yeah. okay. I don't think it's a bad thing. I actually mm-hmm. think it's very interesting and, and it, in a way it actually, it highlights the idea of oil painting to begin with where one works paint and then has to remove part of it when it doesn't work out and then change and you're constantly working this medium that's so easy to work you know what i mean so i think even and maybe that's why too i'm so interested with your your paintings because conceptually they're as brilliant as the subject matter is portrayed whereas i feel like that's a very hard balance for paint not to you know obviously i'm Mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. i don't want to come off as giving you this like ego stroke but it's very much how i feel when i see your work because it's (laughs) It is that is I can conceptually sit there and or I can sit there and, and think about the subject matter I'm, I'm looking at and really sit for a while and try to understand the story where I don't necessarily have to have a plaque that explains it. Sometimes that's very convenient. Like you're telling me the stories, it changes yeah, the perspective. Yeah. But regardless of what I know, there's something that will draw you back in. Whereas I right. think that's very hard to do with painting. And I think mm-hmm. you do that so well within your own work. Well, I mean, I, I I really I really really appreciate that. Um, that's that's very kind of you. It's I, again a thing that is subtle. The the subtlety is something that I also really admire about your work. Mm. The the little things you find that you know could in another person's hand hands could be very on the nose. Mm. I I am constantly mesmerized by like I I miss getting to see you work every day mm. um because your your projects and your tinkering and your videos were things that you could just sit and watch you know mm. even uh the the color choices you make they're all the midnight drive it's all it's all hypnotic. It's not yeah. boring, you mm. know. And your 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 interrogation of small things, everyday things, regular things, normal things that can that can grab you like that and trying to explore it further even if it is something as simple as a color or a movement, you know, there's more recent stuff you've uh you've done like um you know even just like filming in your neighborhood and like yeah. finding a color that you're fascinated by but you know even back to when we were in Florence your uh i i still think about your waves lapping on mm. um on this this uh uh these steps in Venice and it's it was just a really it it, it was just this moment that i 
paid attention to because of that and I'll always think about. I'll always remember mm. that and it's not even necessarily a memory that I can fully articulate all of my feelings about, but mm. there is a feeling there to your work and it is it is palpable. Well, thank you. That's good to hear. I mean, I'm <laughs> glad that that sticks with you and it's so interesting. I actually just found that work again. Weirdly oh, enough, wow. I've, been, I've been going through old works of mine to see if it's still like relevant to submit. I like doing that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because I, I still want to see the footage of us playing or uh, performing on the rooftop during COVID. Together. I need to find, like, I know I have it. I have the cut. I, but I know, know I have the, the footage the exists. The Snyder cut. Oh, we got to release the tape. <laughs> it's like an hour. I think it's like 30 minutes because I forgot that I had like, this is when I didn't know how to use a camera because I forgot that there's like a 30 or 20 minute time lap on the camera yeah. that I own. I will find mm -hmm. it. I promise. I know it's been like two mm -hmm. or a year. Maybe <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, it's so interesting to be able to be able to, to take the time from this one year special too and talk with you about these specifically, um, you know, about our practices and I think really have a, deep discussion about them because i always end mm -hmm. up learning something from you i i very much i mean i can say without <laughs> a doubt that my american landscapes work was influenced by this museum because of the exhibit we mm -hmm. did on thanksgiving and westerns and it mm -hmm. you know and i can i know this because when we were talking i was thinking about it and the work <laughs> and i was like you have that image of your head and you say oh that'd be kind of interesting well, i'll back let me focus in the let me focus on what we're talking about i'll, I'll back to you you know <laughs> just to spoil how I, I sometimes days off, but it's like, it's so important. And I think for me, it was, it's, it's really, really helpful being able to have a spot to talk and to mm -hmm. learn from each other. Because I think I love learning from people. I think it's really important to my practice. I'm not, I, I, I guess I work alone technically, but at the same time, I'm very <laughs> much involved with people all the time. I really think it yeah. helps yeah. Um, to bring my work to the next level. Yeah. Well, I think we've got time for one more question each. Uh, and we can kind of keep it a little lighter <laughs> than I think kind of where this has gone. But this is this has been a really mm. great uh, chance to talk about our work and uh, and our backgrounds to maybe definitely, definitely. people that people that don't know us again, sometimes difficult to I apologize for all the inside jokes. But, you know, sometimes it, it is it is just a conversation between friends. Um, but, um, like, ideally, where would you want your work shown or experienced? Mm. Like, is the Midnight Drive obviously was, you know, even, you know, as part of the instructions to it, right. you were meant to be riding in a car at night, you know, that's like the ideal yeah. experience. You know, I, I also think like, driving in a car is the ideal way to experience a lot of Springsteen albums. Yeah. Um, <laughs> driving at night. Agreed, uh, actually. Yeah. But what what is kind of the, the space that yeah. you see your art working best in? Yeah, no, it's a great question, I think, in this. I um, Because, yeah, the Midnight Drive was a very carefully well i guess not even carefully it was very direct in terms of where it needs to be shown and the artwork dictated that um i think it depends it, it's it's 
it's interesting because a lot of my works I think are very site specific depending. I would love to be able to do that more like site specific artworks in places and public places yeah. or even like buildings in the sense museums. But I, I think it's, it's definitely, here's what it's not because it's easier for me to say where I don't want to show mm-hmm. work than it is where I do. I would not yeah. like to show a work in a commercial gallery as in something that you would see where you walk in and there's paintings on the wall and maybe sculptures because it doesn't make any sense there. Um, right. I think ideally a museum, mm-hmm. uh, a theater for videos, as well as then a more of a contemporary art or industrial spaces at times, I think could be right, really interesting. Right. Outside is really interesting to me as a place to show I would, work. I would, that, that would be interesting, like, if you got a bunch of people in, like, a park and, like, projected something, I like, have, at night. I really want to. I have, like, sent proposals to I, do this. I, would, I need to I would sh- elaborate. I would, sh- I would show up for that. I'd throw out a blanket. Yeah. I'd, like, you know, we could kind of, like, treat it like a picnic. Yeah. But, um, have you ever heard of how they um, originally wanted to release... Um, uh, what's the Vietnam movie? Uh... You know, the Vietnam movie. Apocalypse Now? Yes. Okay. I have not. (laughs) They wanted to, like, put it out playing on repeat in a single theater, like, out in the middle of nowhere in, like, Kansas. Like, they wanted to build a theater specifically to show it and just play it on repeat. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. As an idea, that's great. (laughs) I actually really like that. Well, like, I'm really into this idea, too, of the artwork being able to be experienced by, like, anybody who walks in. Um, mm-hmm. so that's why I would say like spaces, like even like, yeah, contemporary art spaces, industrial spaces, like, you know, Zan and I knew Manifatra Tabaki as a place in Florence, which has a lot of more unusual type art spaces since it's like an abandoned warehouse uh, or factory, yeah. actually it's a factory. But I think sometimes the artwork can be really interesting to show videos in there because of the reverberation that comes with it. And also just the, mm-hmm. it's not, it's neutral, but it's not neutral because i think i'm getting a little tired of the white cubed space and i do really enjoy dark uh like a black box i also really like theaters because i think that a theater has so much history to it so like when Mm -hmm, i when i did mm -hmm. the american landscapes video which um i'll probably plug this later too but to see any of these i have trailers for the films that are more locked but some other things just go to my website, josaminoart.com, because that gives you more context. Because <laughs> it's very hard <laughs> to describe these things visually through, you know, this way. Yeah. But anyway, for that, I had two plans. As a triptych on a gallery space wall, something more neutral or even more industrial in this case, in different countries that were related to the the uh, contact, or uh, in a theater space. Like an you know an older theater, something like the one in the Odeon in Florence, like this really romantic style or, or Art Deco style theater, and then you're <laughs> seeing these uh, these screens come up, and you're like remembering westerns, and you're seeing the orchestra, you know, the parallel. So trying to match it up that way, but that's how I kind of envision seeing a lot of my work. Nice, nice. And no, I I think I think that would kind of be ideal for yeah. showing that. For sure, yeah, and one I really hope to show that one day. I'm really working on it, but I think this is going to be something that's going to take some time because it's a bit uh, eh, questionable sometimes <laughs> on who you. That's a work that's very hard to get out there for the reasons of how it's designed. But um, but without saying too much more about it, um, and I guess I have one you know last question for you as well, and really it's what are you looking forward to most in creating uh, or researching for your arts practice? What are you looking forward to 
making in the future or near future? I know you're coming up on mm. your second year and final year of grad school as well as then the, the um, you know, what's coming after. Right, so yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know you probably have more thoughts on this than I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, um, I mean, I, I have as many questions about the future as the next person, but I'm, I recently had a bit of a breakthrough in understanding a lot of my stuff just in that I can I can stop worrying about what the through line is of all of my topics because I almost want to look at this collection that I'm sort of forming in my studio Ooh, yeah. which is like a collection of animals and artifacts and all of these things and I want to look at a collection as a portrait, mm. you know, mm. that that's very interesting. I get comments a lot that my work leaves, um, leaves my personal story and my personal attributes out of it. And I think that I've kind of resented that comment because it's all personal to me in just the way that I talk about personal stuff, I tend to talk around it. That's just right. how I am. So I want, I, I'm, I feel a little more at liberty to just finally build on this collection, not worrying about how it's all related because it is all a reflection of my own interests and a mm, reflection of yes. me. And I feel like painters should feel uh, at ease looking at all of their art like that looking looking at your body having a chance to look at your body of work holistically and not just looking at where you got better at painting but looking at it as a reflection of themselves looking at your work and your collection of interests as all of the multitudes that make up you as an individual you know mm. there's nothing wholly original to any one particular thing, but right. it's that assemblage that is the person. That's a great way to put it. I quite like that. Um, Thanks. And I think it's also very... also oryxes. I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to researching oryxes. Yes, yes, I'm so excited for this project. Um, yes, I also recently received some of the best feedback I ever oh. have uh, for art. Oh, really? Uh, uh, yeah, um, so I believe I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, two of my paintings have been doing very well on um, Tumblr uh, porn bots. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I'd like, those porn bots um, have sort of, uh, to make them look like they're real people, they're commenting on a lot of them. Uh, uh, and I'd like to share some of these, and... I think when you I, I I think this is some of the some really great feedback. And again, okay. keep it keep in mind for everyone at home, this is a uh, a painting of a T-Rex followed by a painting of a Tylosaur or a Mosasaur. Oh my gosh. All right. Okay. So Demon 6361 says, love her tan lines. <laughs> oh my god. Fuck letter U blog. I could just eat her up, exclamation point. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh. I think this is the best 
anything that ever could be said about my art. I'm furious that this did not come from a critic. And this came from just, you know, an auto-generated, um, you know, algorithm trying to uh-huh. entice people to send them your credit card information. Gotcha. But the blog titled Almighty Balls said, <laughs> shit, don't even think about it, white boy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that this is some great quality feedback. I mean, this is definitely what you look for when you go to um when you go to This is this is as good as art school. This is I was going to say this is definitely feedback. as good as what you would get from an art program, definitely. Well, at least yeah. at least you're reaching an audience, right? That's always important. I, I am. And getting that quality feedback, but um mm-hmm. I think we're lucky to have the audience that we do here and I think in sort of wrapping up our one year special here wanted to say personally thank you to all who supported us who yes. listened yes. and 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 joined our tours here at the uncanny county museum it's really been a pleasure love doing this love connecting with zan and being able to do these and share them and i yeah i'm forever thankful and grateful for the for all of you so thank you again so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i i really i can't add too much more but i i really do feel that as well like this uh just knowing that people uh you know take time out of their day to uh listen and spread the good word of the ucm it means an awful lot this project means an awful lot to the both of us and we're gonna keep doing it um so uh here's to uh another great year of uh of bizarre conversations <laughs> that um, somehow miraculously, and I am always impressed every every week without fail, somehow wind up at some sort of uh, meaningful conclusion. Becoming really natural storytellers, and I'm finding that I do that in day-to-day <laughs> conversations now because I'm remembering things from the beginning of a conversation with somebody and then I can bring it to the end. And it's like, man, we're Well, just... really, really, you always want to think about L. Ron Hubbard. You want to oh. think about taking little bits of things around you and bringing it together right, and talking right. about like you know what you're talking about. Yes. The other person's a little too bewildered to um, question anything because you seem uh-huh. like you know what you're talking about. You're talking and talking and suddenly you've arrived at a point and you're like, get it, right? And you're just right. like, you want to seem smart to this person who seems smart to you. So like, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah what, totally whatever makes you say. Sense. Whatever you say. Yeah. One day, maybe that's coming up in our season two at the Ooh, we start ex- we exhibition. Oh, we we're going to interrogate Scientology. Well, Oh, oh, oh we were going but... in we were going in different directions there. <laughs> You're setting up the plot. You're setting up the plot for the next uh the next portion of tours here. Oh All my right. gosh. No, but it's nice. been and, it's really and been also great. it's also it's been great to the friends of the UCM we've had on yes. uh over over the past year and hopefully many more to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Allison Dempsey, uh Colby White. Bradley Strzok, Hillary McLean, David Neal, David Neal. Oh my God, how could I forget David? Oh, uh, your sister. Oh yeah, Michelle, <laughs> Michelle Cimino. Yeah, 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 yeah. How could I forget uh, the person? Yeah, yeah. 
Shout out um, to all of you, by the way, and thank you yes, again. Yes. Oh my gosh. So, uh, before we go, is there anything you got to plug, Joe? Um, not really too much. Most of the exhibitions that I'm in have already launched that I've been promoting here. One of which will be during the same time that this is appearing, which is the uh, it's an exhibition I'm a part of called the Artist Residency Project. That's just the name of it. It's a virtual group exhibition. Uh, with the Aerogram Center for Arts and Culture, who will be uh, displaying it online. Uh, check it out. It'll be up till October 15 and viewable online. I have, I think, a video in there that I've been working on for a while, as well as some mm. photographs of mine. So feel free to check it out. How about you, Zan? Yes, yes. Um, I'm currently at the uh, Then and Now show. Uh you can find some information on that on my Instagram. Uh, I've got some work up from undergrad alongside some work from grad, uh, my grad program. Nice, nice. Yes. And I will also be uh, in the show Critters at the Mize Gallery, M-I-Z-E, in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, September uh, 19th. Wait. Awesome. Oh, <laughs> Am I am I getting that date right? It that that's also on my Instagram. Just just look on my Instagram. Yes. Um. Yes. Uh. Which you can find me at Xanosaurus, and you can find me at at Josemino Art. If you want to follow the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny Museum on Twitter and at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. And this is the fifty-first time I get to say this from the Uncanny County Museum. I have been Zan Peters, and I've been Josemino. Take it away, band. Bye.